Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS, found under the heme section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 7-year-old boy recently had several episodes of bloody diarrhea. Desperate, his parents called his primary care physician, who reassured them that the infection is self-limited. Still concerned, his parents bought some diarrhea pills, which were anti-motility agents. A week later, he presented to the ER with jaundice, abdominal pain, and easy bruising. Lab results come back with low platelet count, anemia, and increased creatinine. A peripheral blood smear shows schistocytes. He has started on IV hydration. Let's continue with an introduction to hemolytic uremic syndrome. Remember that this is a syndrome commonly seen in children, and it is most commonly caused by Escherichia coli O157H7, also known as EHEC and it causes acute diarrhea, and it is due to the Shiga-like toxin. It can also be caused by an S. pneumonia infection or by Shigella species that produce the Shiga toxin. Patients will present with a classic triad of first thrombocytopenia, secondly a non-immune microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and third there will be acute renal failure, hence the uremia in the title. This is similar to TTP, but without fever and neurologic symptoms. With regards to epidemiology, remember that this is most commonly seen in children, especially those exposed to E. coli, which may happen when eating raw or undercooked meat, unwashed fruits and vegetables, or animals at petting zoos. And remember that risk factors include the use of antimotility agents in E. hec diarrhea, as well as the use of antibiotics in E. hec diarrhea. And in terms of the pathogenesis, remember that there is a toxin that damages the endothelium, This then causes microthrombi to form at the site of damage. This will consume platelets, which leads to the thrombocytopenia. There will also be intravascular mechanical hemolysis, which leads to the formation of schistocytes, and there will be a decrease in renal blood flow, which leads to the acute renal failure. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will involve a prodromal gastrointestinal illness, abdominal pain, bloody diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, fatigue from the anemia, an oliguria or anuria from the renal failure. And on exam, one may note the pallor from anemia, jaundice from hemolysis, petechiae or purpura are uncommon, and hepatosplenomegaly may be present. And in terms of other studies, the criteria for HUS involves a hemolytic anemia, which will be demonstrated with a hematocrit less than 30% and schistocytes or helmet cells on peripheral smear. The criteria also involves the presence of thrombocytopenia, and an elevated creatinine. However, remember that patients will have a normal PT and PTT, a negative Coombs test, however they may have an increase in bleeding time. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about DIC, ITP, and TTP. Let's discuss the different characteristics in these diseases in order to differentiate among them. In DIC, patients will typically not have a fever, nor will they have splenomegaly. Their platelets will be low, their bleeding time will be increased, PT will be increased, PTT will be increased, there will be presence of schistocytes, and there will be a history of trauma typically. In ITP, there will be no fever, nor will there be splenomegaly. Platelets will be low, bleeding time will be increased, but PT and PTT will be normal. There will be no schistocytes and no history of trauma. In TTP, there will be fever and splenomegaly, low platelets, an increase in bleeding time, but normal PT and PTT. There will be schistocytes but no history of trauma. And finally, in HUS, there may or may not be a fever. 
there will typically be splenomegaly. Platelets will be low, bleeding time will be increased, but PT and PTT will be normal, and schistocytes will be present, but without a history of trauma. And in terms of treatment for HUS, prevention occurs by preventing EHEC infection, such as by avoiding raw or undercooked meat, and by avoiding antimotility agents or antibiotics. Supportive care with fluids is necessary to maintain renal perfusion, and one should perform dialysis if there is acute renal failure unresponsive to fluids. Remember that fresh frozen plasma can also be used, which helps to increase coagulation factor levels. And plasmapheresis or plasma exchange can also be used for severe cases. Complications related to HUS involve chronic kidney disease, hypertension, heart failure, and electrolyte abnormalities. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that HUS carries a 3-5% to mortality rate and that 5% of patients will have severe sequelae such as end-stage renal failure. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to hemolytic uremic syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 24-year-old man presents to the emergency department for bloody stools. The patient states that he has had bloody diarrhea for the past three days without improvement. He recently returned from a camping trip where he drank stream water and admits to eating undercooked meats, which included beef, chicken, pork, and salmon. The patient's father died at age 40 due to colon cancer, and his mother died of breast cancer at the age of 52. The patient lives alone and drinks socially. The patient has unprotected sex with multiple male partners. His temperature is 98.3 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.8 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 107 over 58. Pulse is 127 beats per minute. Respirations are 12 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. Laboratory values are ordered and demonstrate a hemoglobin of 9.2, hematocrit of 29%, leukocyte count of 9,500 with a normal differential, platelet count of 87,000, lactate dehydrogenase of 327, haptoglobin of 5, serum sodium of 139, chloride of 100, potassium of 5.9, bicarbonate of 19, BUN of 39, glucose of 99, creatinine of 1.1, and calcium of 10.2. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's presentation? And the answer choices are, choice 1, Campylobacter jejuni. Choice 2, colon cancer. Choice 3, entamoeba histolytica. Choice 4, Escherichia coli. Or choice 5, Giardia lamblia. The best answer to this question is, choice 4, Escherichia coli. This patient is presenting with hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS, which is caused by E. coli. HUS presents with bloody diarrhea, schistocytes on peripheral smear, and signs of hemolysis, such as elevated LDH, decreased haptoglobin, and elevated potassium, as well as uremia. E. coli is the most common cause of HUS, with the O157H7 strain being a classic culprit. Treatment is generally supportive, with dialysis indicated in severe situations. Antibiotics and platelet transfusions are not indicated in this condition and can actually worsen outcomes. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Campylobacter jejuni is a common cause of bloody diarrhea and is associated with raw chicken consumption. However, hemolysis and uremia are less common in this pathology. Choice 2. 
Colon cancer is possible in this patient with a family history of malignancy. However, pencil-thin stools, anemia, and weight loss over a longer period of time is a more characteristic presentation. Choice 3. Entamoeba histolytica is a common cause of bloody diarrhea in immunosuppressed patients, such as those with HIV. Although this patient is at risk of having HIV, bloody diarrhea secondary to entamoeba histolytica would not present with features of hemolytic anemia, such as the elevated LDH and decreased haptoglobin. Choice 5. Giardia lamblia typically occurs with stream water consumption and with increased incidence in men who have sex with men. However, it presents with fatty and foul-smelling diarrhea without blood. Finally, a bullet summary. HUS is most commonly caused by the O157H7E coli and presents with bloody diarrhea and features of hemolytic anemia. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A six-year-old boy is admitted with a one-week history of diarrhea, which was sometimes bloody and originally began after a birthday party. He has become lethargic and has not been eating or drinking. His vital signs are a temperature of 38.5 degrees Celsius, heart rate of 135 beats per minute, blood pressure of 82 over 54. Physical exam is significant for petechiae on his legs and diffuse abdominal tenderness to palpation. Lab work demonstrates a BUN of 72, creatinine of 8.1, and platelet count less than 10,000. PT and PTT are within normal limits. Which of the following would be expected on a peripheral blood smear? And the answer choices are choice 1, Rouleau formation, choice 2, fragmented red blood cells, choice 3, spur cells, choice 4, giant platelets, or choice 5, no abnormalities. The best answer to this question is choice 2, fragmented red blood cells. The boy in this vignette most likely has hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS which is characterized by a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia with schistocytes. HUS usually occurs in children and is caused by an E. coli O157H7 infection. The classic presentation follows an acute diarrheal illness. HUS is characterized by a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, thrombocytopenia, and renal failure. The presentation is similar to thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, but without the fever and neurologic symptoms. The key differentiating factor in this case is the diarrhea and the elevated BUN. Keep in mind that in HUS, uremia is elevated to a greater extent than in TTP. On the other hand, TTP presents with more neurologic signs and will not be preceded by diarrhea on step exams. The publication by Rizak reviews HUS and notes that the most common cause of this syndrome is infection with E. coli O157H7. The typical time delay between onset of diarrhea and presentation with HUS is one week. In children presenting with acute renal failure, HUS is the most common etiology and should be ruled out early during presentation. The study by Egan et al. studied the presence of schistocytes on peripheral blood smear following resolution of HUS. They report that approximately one out of three patients continues to have residual schistocytes circulating, but this was not predictive of relapse. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Rouleau formation, or stacked RBCs, are seen most notably in multiple myeloma, as well as many other hyperviscosity syndromes. This finding is highly nonspecific. Choice 3. Spur cells are seen with liver disease. Choice 4. Giant platelets are seen in idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura, or ITP, as well as Bernard-Soulier syndrome. Choice 5. 
schistocytes would be expected in HUS. That's all for this review about hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session from MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.